AI connected to your brain? No, this is not some Neuralink Elon Musk thing. It's something else. It's weird. Uh, birth strikers. Yes, go birth strikers. <laughs> we'll explain that coming up. And our U.S. oil reserves are in real trouble again. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Tuesday. It is in... No, it's not, is it? I'm so confused. It's Monday. Uh, yeah, it was that kind of a weekend all around. We got all that more coming up. We are live in the chat also. If you have anything you'd like to say to us, any topics you want to talk about, whatever, just send us a chat in the live chat if you're watching live on rumble.com, and we'd be happy to talk to you. We are always available, and we are always updating you on our favorite little girl, too. That would be Miko and this would be the Miko update. Miko is our little Shiba Inu baby, and she is doing great. As a matter of fact, this was her chasing a cat. Yeah, I know. We got scrats, we got rats, we got cats. Whatever it is, she'll chase it, and she loves to do it too. <laughs> this is her going a little crazy. There you see, that's mama cat. This is a cat that is like continuously pregnant. Every time we see the cat, she's pregnant. And she's going crazy. I need my lawn cut, by the way. Anybody want to cut my lawn? Mama Cat just kind of doesn't put up with Miko's crap. Miko tries her best to play, and Mama Cat doesn't want to play. You see, she there she goes. Come on, Cat, play with me. And Cat says, mm, not going to happen. So, <laughs> But uh, she's doing great, eating healthy, getting a great walk. Uh, she's ready to shed because she is so puffy right now. It's unbelievable how puffy this dog is. But anyway, our Miko update is brought to you by the good folks at BarkBox. BarkBox.com slash Miko is the link. And if you go to that, there, there she just escaped. <laughs> if you go to that link, you will find yourself an amazing collection of toy. No, can we cancel that, please? Yes. Thank you. Cancel. Okay. BarkBox.com is uh, a place where you will find the most amazing collection of toys and treats and dog chews. You'll get them delivered to your door every month, especially for your dog. Every month, it's a new theme, and you get a box with two toys, two bags of all-natural treats, and an all-natural dog chew. Comes to your door every month. You sign up for a multi-month subscription, and you get a free month using our link at BarkBox.com slash Miko. Also, they've extended it slightly. You have until the end of the month, so one more week, to get a free dog bed. If you would rather have the dog bed rather than the free month, use the second link in our show notes for BarkBox.com, and that will get you the uh, free dog bed. So check it out. BarkBox.com slash Miko is the link. Okay, what do we got? We got AI. We got AI, and it's scary. It's weird. I saw this story, and I thought, you know, we've covered a whole lot about AI on this show, and this is just more scary stuff. Like, it couldn't get any scarier. But it is. Uh, this is from theblaze.com. The link to everything we talk about is always in our show notes, so you can check it out, read the article yourself, because we don't read the whole article. We just hit the highlights and tell you about what's happening. But this is weird. This is an intelligence agency, not just any wonk job, Joe Blow off the street or Elon Musk and his Neuralink. An intelligence agency is Funding research to merge AI with human brain cells. Yeah, that article just came out yesterday, and it gets pretty scary. Australian Intelligence Agency. I don't know what they call it. The Australian version of the CIA, I guess. Funding research which will attempt to merge artificial intelligence with human brain cells. Please don't muck around with this stuff. Please don't do this. This is according to The Guardian. Research into merging brain cells with AI got a $600,000 grant from Defense and the Na Office of National Intelligence, ONI. 
Damn. The funding uh, will go towards research, which is being conducted already. They're already doing this, and this is going to further the research, 600,000. Uh, Monash University and Cortical Labs. Adil Razi, who's the lead on the project and associate professor from uh, Monash. Uh, Monash University's Turner Institute for Brain and Mental Health. Hmm. The new technology capability in future may eventually surpass the performance of existing purely silicon-based hardware. Ooh. Last year, they created something called Dish Brain. <laughs> Sounds like a character from a cartoon. Anyway, it was a semi-biological computer chip with some 800,000 human and mice brain cells lab-grown into its electrodes. Ew. The Dish Brain uses lab-cultivated neurons from human stem cells. The scientists, get this, listen, the scientists were able to train the brain cells in this Petri dish to play the classic basic video game of Pong. You remember? Bloop, 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 bloop. You remember Pong, right? In fact, we played it in the early days on this show. They were able to train these brain cells to play Pong. That should scare the pants off of you. The microelectrode array at the heart of the dish brain was capable of both reading activity in the brain cells and stimulating them with electrical signals. So they set up a version of Pong where the brain cells were fed a moving electrical stimulus to represent which side of the screen the ball was on and how far away it was from the paddle. They allowed the brain cells to act on the paddle, allowing it to move it right or left. Wow. Some experts contend brain-powered biological intelligence operating systems is the future of AI because it's self-programming, requires less memory, conserves energy, and can learn throughout its lifetime. Here's the scary part. Just like human brain cells. Um, that would be a big no from me. We are walking into dangerous territory, my friends. This is is some scary stuff. Wow. Okay, there is a group called Birth Strikers. You know what that is? Birth Strikers, B-I-R-T-H. I say more power to them. I couldn't be more pleased. I'll tell you why in a minute. This is an article from The Sun. Birth strikers. We don't want kids because we think having babies is a crime against humanity and it's cost us a lot of friends. A teacher couple is leading a freaky movement, and I mean freaky because it's full of freaks, who want to stop the world from having any more children because they claim giving birth is a crime against humanity and it's killing the planet. Now, it's not. Overpopulation is as much bullshit as climate change is. It doesn't exist. In fact, in a lot of countries, we are severely underpopulated. If you saw the graphic I put out a few months ago in our show, it represented every human being on Earth, every human being on Earth, all eight plus billion of us, mushed through a blender into a giant meatball. And it basically would fit in Central Park in New York City. That would be everybody. Spencer Roche, 38, 
and Agnieszka Marzalek, 46, members of the birth strike movement. And don't they just look like the perfect little couple? Outspoken activist group founded by Rochi in April of last year. The group believe their pledge can spare future generations of children from a dystopian existence. The members of the group are refusing to have kids until humanity resolves its own social, environmental, political, and economic reasons uh, issues, including threats of war, homelessness, poverty, rising crime rates, flattening the curve on climate change, and all the rest of that hoax. The quote here from Spencer, it doesn't seem ethical to bring new life into this situation when we don't really have any plans to combat the vast issues we're currently facing. Well, Spencer, I encourage you. I think it's brilliant. I think you and all your little birth strikers ought to just keep doing what you're doing. Because frankly, if you intend to raise your children that you might have with the same moronic, idiotic thought process that you and your stupid wife have, we don't need more of your kind on the planet. We need significantly less. So by all means, Spencer, keep it up or don't, as the case may be. I couldn't think of a better thing to happen than for you to not have children. Please don't procreate. We don't want more of your kind. We want significantly less. They're idiots. I swear this was stupid. All right, what do we got going on here now? Oh, yeah. Oh, here's a good one. It's from TennesseeStar.com. I know, it's a weird place to have a article from, but it did the best job of covering it. It's from Megan Brock and Laurel Dugan, the CEO of a sex toy company. I don't have to explain that, I'm sure. Has been bankrolling a massive pediatric sex change clinic. Pediatric sex change clinic since 1918. According to public records and numerous reports, the CEO of Pure Romance, which is a site that sells sex toys, Chris Ciccinelli, founded the Living with Change Foundation in 2018 to fund a massive expansion at the Cincinnati Children's Hospital Transgender Clinic. Shame they even have one. After his son began to identify as a girl when he was eight, according to WCPO 9 in Cincinnati. Prior to his $2 million donation, apparently there is big profit in sex toys. The clinic only had one nurse, one doctor, one social worker, and has since tripled its staff. Been renamed the Living with Change Center and now is a massive operation, which sadly boasts the serving of more than 800 children and young adults this year alone. There it is. So, supported by the creator and owner of a rather successful sex toy company, they're cutting off kids' private parts. Because they happen to feel like a girl or a boy. <laughs> oh, liberals, liberals, liberals. You'll just never get it, will you? All right. Democrats lying. Oh, really? What a surprise. Yeah, well, the problem is nowadays they just can't do it anymore with a straight face. That's the problem for Democrats. <laughs> 
Well, before we get to that, we do want to tell you about one of our sponsors here tonight, and that would be the good folks at, where's the ad? I don't want a white screen, I want an ad. Man, our connection is wicked tonight. Anyway, it's Blackout Coffee. You know these good folks. We talk about them all the time. They're one of our best sponsors here, and we really do appreciate them being on board. Blackout Coffee was founded on the principles of conservative values. The founders believe in the importance of hard work, personal responsibility, family, respect, and good old traditional American values. They source premium specialty-grade green coffee beans uh, grown at perfect altitude, correct time of year, best soil, harvested at just the right time, and they work with local co-ops, all local American companies, because there are two things the owner of this company cares about. America and its values, and making an amazingly damn good cup of coffee, which he does. Throw out that brown water, folks. Pick yourself up a bag of these beans, and you will not be sorry. Blackout coffee, roasted, packed, and shipped with lightning speed, usually within 24 to 48 hours, which means you get the beans just days after they're roasted. Uh, a combination of their premium coffee beans, highly controlled roasting process, and immediate shipping gives their customers, you, an elite coffee experience. And right now, if you use the link in our show notes, you will wind up with 20% off on checkout, use the promo code J20. J-A-Y-20 is the promo code. There it is right there on your screen. And if you use that promo code at checkout, you will get 20% off your first order. An amazing deal. Use the link in our show notes for blackout coffee. Do yourself a favor. Knock off the brown water, cheap liberal coffee crap you've been using and get yourself some blackout coffee because it's incredible. And you are helping support a company that supports this country and everything it stands for. All right. The Blue State Blues, according to Breitbart. <laughs> Democrats can no longer lie with a straight face. This week, or last week, because Monday, we'll review last week, uh, featured two congressional hearings that basically gutted the remains of the lies built up around uh, Biden. And he did nothing wrong regarding his son's business interests, lies, and never censored free speech. A huge lie. And they just can't deny it anymore. The first lie died in a hearing Wednesday of last week with the Oversight Committee. Two whistleblowers, both career IRS officials, came forward to expose interference in their Hunter Biden probe. Gary Shapley, Joseph Ziegler detailed how Biden evaded punishment for years of unpaid taxes while officials dithered, prosecutors tipped off defense lawyers, and the statute of limitations ran out. Yep, there it goes. And uh, that's not all. <laughs> Democrats spent most of their time attacking RFK Jr., Kennedy, and in an ironic moment, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, how she ever got elected in Florida is beyond me, and you folks in Florida need to get rid of her in the next cycle, whenever that is. She tried to end the public hearing, which would have been censoring a forum on censorship. <laughs> she attacked Kennedy as a racist, an anti-Semite, and when he tried to respond, she did nothing but continue to interrupt him. The worst damage came when Goldman attacked Morris in the process, admitting the Hunter Biden laptop was real. It was just like 3-0 and last week for Democrats. They sucked it big time. That ended the fantasy the laptop might be fake or the FBI might have had good reason to tell social media companies to censor it. Later Thursday, Grassley released the FBI's FD-1023 on Biden, revealing the agency knew the allegations against Hunter Biden were legit long before the laptop went public. That whole article is there. It's from Breitbart, and I cannot encourage you enough to read it. It is an eye-opener. Not a head-shaker. Now, this one is an eye-opener. All right. We... <laughs> 
you know this whole diversity and equity crap companies hiring diversity and equity officers you know it's it's blackrock you know they try and give you your score and if you don't have a dei policy then you get a less score and your stocks go it's just a big giant convoluted method of the communist controlling companies in this country sadly it's worked well gladly it ain't working so well anymore thousands of diversity and equity officers have been laid off and left-wing activists are panicking that according to the wall street journal this uh, report from the uh, blaze media theblaze.com this is glorious this is so good left-wing activists beside themselves companies corporations are choosing to lower their commitment to diversity and equity according to a report in the wall street journal the report said thousands thousands of diversity focused workers have been laid off in the last year after a lot of companies rushed to prove they were implementing diversity, equity, and inclusion policies. Oh yeah, us too, us too. A combination of grief, being very tired, and being in some cases absolutely overwhelmed, said Marion uh, Warren, a diversity offer at Yelp. The report cites frequent social media firestorms to explain why some companies are pivoting away from this ridiculous crap of DEI officers. They uh, may include the Bud Light deb debacle, a uh, trans influencer, that moron, and uh, Target and their lashback. Now the country music television folks and those idiots. According to one estimate, the DEI industry ballooned, listen to this, to a $3.4 billion industry in 2020. $3.4 Since then, chief diversity officers are experiencing a 40% higher turnover compared to other positions. Wow. They don't like to see this. Big tech does its best to limit the news you see. <laughs> Boy, that's true. A separate study found that searches of chief diversity officers have dropped by 75% over the last year. One HR hiring expert said it was the lowest demand he's seen in 30 years. They're telling us the only way I want to go into another role with DEI is if it includes something else. So, BlackRock, all your DEI crap, Basically, they're telling you to mm, go pound sand. We're not interested. Thank goodness for that. About time. See? Little wins. Little wins is all we need. We just keep eating away. Just keep chomp, 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 chomp. Just keep biting. It'll happen. All right. Uh, hmm. Our oil reserves. Yeah. Um. You've heard the stories. It's been going on for years now with this idiot Biden administration. He's been sucking the oil out of our reserves. Incredibly dangerous. Everybody tells him he's dangerous, but it doesn't matter. He just keeps doing it. Well, now it's time to pay the piper. Do you know, by the way, you know, you talk about the oil reserves and you think, okay, is this just some on paper thing? No, it's actually reserves of oil, which are kept in the ground in specially designed, carved-out salt mines. I did not know this, but our oil reserves are real physical oil, which is kept in the ground in what were a long time ago, 50 years ago, almost. Salt mines. It took the Biden administration the better part of six months to pretty much drain the U.S. oil reserves down to the precarious 20 days of emergency reserves. That is a 40-year low, and it will take decades to refill it, if it even happens at all. Stroll through the West Hackberry oil facility on the Gulf Coast, 
There's not much to see, some pipelines, industrial equipment, but buried deep beneath the surface are storage caverns so massively tall you could fit the Empire State Building in them. Not kidding. With room to spare. Wow. And thanks to these idiots in the Biden administration, you know, you love to blame Joe Biden because he's the figurehead, and I guess you can. But honestly, that bag of rotting flesh in the White House is just, you know, just he's the puppet. It's the people behind the scenes. Blame them and him, but blame them too. Don't forget them. The uh, Strategic Petroleum Reserves now sits at 346 million barrels a level unseen since 1983, out of a total storage capacity of 714 million. Take a look at this chart. This starts in 1985, goes through 2005, and then look at this. Boop! Gone. Unbelievable. 2023 and projected for 24. The emergency reserves are equal to just 20 days worth of a supply, an all-time record low. Look at that. Replenishing the supply, uh, supply is a very lengthy progress uh, process, according to experts, who say a lack of funding, ancient infrastructure, will hinder the process. These salt mines that were carved out on the Gulf Coast were made in 1975, and they were designed to last 25 years. We are way past that, which is why part of this story is the fact that it will take forever to replenish them if they even can be replenished. Read the rest of this article. It's in our show notes, and it's scary. It's frightening. It is unbelievable how this man and his administration has completely screwed up about everything there is to screw up, including our reserves. This is a wickedly bad story, and I almost didn't share it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I think it's important that you hear about it because it is disgusting. But it does make a point. It's from the post-millennial. Liberal media and influencers are spreading a hoax about a teenager who was sentenced to jail for having an abortion. Well, that's not quite all the facts. She got 90 days for burning and burying her aborted child. Okay, so I got two problems with this. Obviously, the big one is she did this at all. But 90 days? That's it? Unbelievable. A girl sentenced in Nebraska Friday to 90 days in prison after being convicted on charges of burning, burying, and concealing the dead body of her baby. This is disgusting. I, I warned you. She had tried to abort the baby in her third trimester by ingesting drugs to trigger pregnancy termination. The sad case not framed as one in which a would-be teen mom is facing jail time for crimes committed regarding human remains, but the leftist media outlets are trying to advocate in favor of abortion past 12 weeks, which is the abortion in Nebraska. Celeste Burgess 17, when she committed the crime, sought to abort the baby at six and a half months using pills her mother ordered online. The two then conspired to hide the evidence. She pled guilty, the mother, 
to violating Nebraska's anti-abortion law, which prohibits aiding in the obtaining of an abortion past 12 weeks gestation, as well as illegally concealing human remains. Influencers, journalists, left-wing morons, all jumped all over the case, saying Nebraska was prosecuting a woman for terminating her pregnancy and completely ignoring the fact of what she did with the baby after it was aborted. They used the case to advocate for abortion. <laughs> Go ahead and read the rest of that story. It's, uh, it's not anything I really want to spend a whole lot of time on, but it's disgusting. From all aspects, it is disgusting. Hey, have you seen the new Snow White? She's not white. And it's not the story of... It's not the story of a... Uh, hang on a second. It's not the story of a princess. I'll tell you what, let me just do this. Hang on, I just got to do this live. So give me a quick second here while I figure this out. We'll get it, we'll get it. Stand by, don't go too far away. <laughs> don't you love when I have to do this live? I'm telling you. All right, where is it? I know it's got to be around here somewhere. Ah, there we go. Okay. Yeah, they interviewed the woman who plays the, the part of Snow White. This is insane. This is insane. Hold on, hold on. I want to cue the thing up so you can actually listen to this moron, what she has to say. Here we go. Uh, switch over to uh, Facebook. Yeah, there we go. Okay. All right. <laughs> Check this idiot out. This, this is, is the, the new, new Snow, Snow White, White, by, by the, the way. way. You said you were bringing a modern edge to it on stage. What do you mean by that? I just mean that it's no longer 1937, and we absolutely wrote a Snow White that she's is not going to be yeah, saved by the prince. She's not going to be saved by the prince, and she's not going to be dreaming about true love. She's dreaming about becoming the leader she knows she can be, and the leader that her late father told her that she could be if she was fearless, fair, brave, and true. And so it's just a really incredible story for, I think, young people everywhere to see themselves in. Snow White is running for president. <laughs> I'm launching my campaign. Yeah. yeah. Don't bother. Seriously. And guess who the movie's from? You got it. Disney. They just can't stop stepping in it. You want to see Disney's next film? Ryan Gosling is Barack Obama. I, look, that's a joke, okay? But I completely would not be surprised if you don't see that. I, I, I'm telling you. Why would anybody have any interest in seeing this idiotic version of Snow White? It has nothing to do... Well, it does have something to do with the fact that it's not a white person playing Snow White. But... They're completely changing the story of the classic Snow White. Well, then don't call it Snow White. Call it something else, because it ain't Snow White. You call me racist, call me misogynist, call me whatever. I don't care. I really don't care. You want to remake Snow White? Remake damn Snow White. You want to make a different film about something else? Knock yourself out. Just don't call it Snow White because it ain't. Enough. On to our book. <laughs> coffee break. Blackout coffee. Links in our show notes. By the way, brand new Jay Sheldon merchandise. Check that out too. It's got our new logo in it and everything. All right, here we go. 1984 is the book. We read books on this show. I know, a little wacky, but eh, it's something we do. And for the most part, People seem to like it, so we'll keep doing it. Uh, we've been reading George Orwell's 1984 because, honestly, this book is just about as prophetic as you can get. <sighs> it's frightening how much of a fortune teller George Orwell was. So 
Here we go. We're getting towards the end, by the way. This is George Orwell's 1984. It was true that he'd been an enemy of the party, and in the eyes of the party there was no distinction between the thought and the deed. There were also memories of another kind. They stood out in his mind disconnectedly, like pictures with blackness all around them. He was in a cell which might have been either dark or light, because he could see nothing except a pair of eyes. Near at hand, some kind of instrument was tickling slowly and regularly. The eyes grew larger, more luminous. Suddenly, he floated out of his seat, dived into the eyes, and was swallowed up. He was strapped into a chair, surrounded by dials under dazzling lights. A man in a white coat was reading the dials. There was a tramp of heavy boots outside. The door clanged open. The wax-faced officer marched in, followed by two guards. Room 101, said the officer. The man in the white coat did not turn around. He did not look at Winston either. He was only looking at the dials. He was rolling down a mighty corridor, a kilometer wide, full of glorious golden light, roaring with laughter and shouting out confessions at the top of his voice. He was confessing everything, even the things he'd succeeded in holding back under the torture. He was relating the entire history of his life to an audience who already knew it. With him were the guards, the other questioners, the men in white coats, O'Brien, Julia, Mr. Charrington, all rolling down the corridor together, shouting with laughter. Some dreadful thing which had lain embodied in the future had somehow been skipped over, had not happened. Everything was all right. There was no more pain. The last detail of his life had been laid bare, understood, forgiven. He was starting up from the plank bed in the half-certainty that he'd heard O'Brien's voice. All through his interrogation, although he'd never seen him, he had the feeling that O'Brien was at his elbow, just out of sight. It was O'Brien who was directing everything. It was he who set the guards on to Winston, who prevented them from killing him. It was he who decided when Winston should scream with pain and when he should have a respite, when he should be fed, when he should sleep, when the drugs should be pumped into his arm. It was he who asked the questions and suggested the answers. He was the tormentor. He was the protector. He was the inquisitor. He was the friend. And once, Winston could not remember whether it was in drugged sleep or normal sleep, or even in a moment of wakefulness, a voice murmured in his ear, Don't worry, Winston. You're in my keeping. For seven years I've watched over you. Now the turning point has come. I shall save you. I shall make you perfect. He was not so sure whether it was O'Brien's voice, but it was the same voice that said to him, We shall meet in the place where there is no darkness. In that other dream, seven years ago. He didn't remember any ending to his interrogation. There was a, a period of blackness, and then the cell or room in which he was now had gradually materialized around him. He was almost flat on his back, unable to move. His body was held down at every essential point. Even the back of his head was gripped in some manner. O'Brien was looking down at him gravely and rather sadly. His face, seen from below, looked coarse and worn, with pouches under the eyes and tired lines from nose to chin. He was older than Winston had thought him, perhaps forty-eight or Fifty. Under his hand there was a dial with a lever on top and figures running around the face. I told you, said O'Brien, 
that if we meet again, it would be here. Yes, said Winston. And without any warning, a slight movement of O'Brien's hand, a wave of pain flooded his body. It was a frightening pain, because he couldn't see what was happening, and he had the feeling some mortal injury was being done to him. He didn't know whether the thing was really happening or whether the effect was electronically produced, but his body was being wrenched out of shape. The joints were being slowly torn apart, although the pain had brought the sweat out on his forehead. The worst of all was the fear that his backbone was about to snap. He set his teeth, breathed hard through his nose, trying to keep silent as long as possible. You are afraid, said O'Brien, watching his face, that in another moment something is going to break. You especially fear that it will be your backbone. You have a vivid mental picture of the vertebrae snapping apart and the spinal fluid dripping out of them. That's what you're thinking, is it not, Winston? Winston did not answer. O'Brien drew back the lever on the dial. The wave of pain receded almost as quickly as it had come. That was forty, said O'Brien. You can see the numbers on this dial run up to a hundred. Will you please remember throughout our conversation that I have it in my power to inflict pain on you at any moment and to whatever degree I choose? If you tell me lies or attempt to prevaricate in any way or even fall below your usual level of intelligence, you will cry out in pain instantly. Do you understand that? Yes, said Winston. O'Brien's manner had become less severe. He resettled his spectacles thoughtfully and took a pace or two up and down. When he spoke, his voice was gentle, patient. He had the air of a doctor, a teacher, even a priest, anxious to explain and persuade rather than to punish. I'm taking trouble with you, Winston, he said, because you are worth trouble. You know perfectly well what is the matter with you. You've known it for years, though you've fought against the knowledge. You are mentally deranged. You suffer from a defective memory. You're unable to remember real events, and you persuade yourself that you remember other events which never happened. Fortunately, curable. You've never cured yourself of it, because you choose not to. There was a small effort of the will that you were able to make. Even now, I'm well aware you're clinging to your disease under the impression that it's a virtue. Now, we will take an example. At this moment, which power is Oceana at war with? When I was arrested, Oceana was at war with East Asia. With East Asia? Good. And Oceana has always been at war with East Asia, has it not? Winston drew in his breath. He opened his mouth to speak, and then did not speak. He could not take his eyes away from the dial. The truth, please, Winston. Your truth. Tell me what you think you remember. I remember that until only a week before I was arrested, we were not at war with East Asia at all. We were in alliance with them. The war was against Eurasia. That lasted for four years. Before that, O'Brien stopped him with a movement of his hand. Another example, he said. Some years ago, you had a very serious delusion indeed. You believed that three men, three one-time party members, 
named Jones, Aronson, and Rutherford, men who were executed for treachery and sabotage after making the fullest possible confession, were not guilty of the crimes they were charged with. You believe you'd been unmistakable documentary evidence proving their confessions were false. There was a certain photograph about which you had a hallucination. You believed that you'd actually held it in your hands. It was a photograph something like this. An oblong slip of newspaper had appeared between O'Brien's fingers. For perhaps five seconds, it was within, within the angle of Winston's vision. It was a photograph, and there was no question of its identity. It was the photograph. It was another copy of the photograph of Jones, Aronson, and Rutherford at the party function in New York, which he had chanced upon eleven years ago and promptly destroyed. For only an instant it was before his eyes, and then it was out of sight again. But he'd seen it. Unquestionably he had seen it. He made a desperate, agonizing effort to wrench the top half of his body free. It was impossible to move so much as a centimeter in any direction. For the moment, he'd even forgotten the dial. All he wanted to do was hold the photograph in his fingers again, or at least to see it. It exists, he cried. No said O'Brien. He stepped across the room. There was a memory hole in the opposite wall. O'Brien lifted the grating. Unseen, the frail slip of paper was whirling away on the current of warm air. It was vanishing in a flash of flame. O'Brien turned away from the wall. Ashes, he said. Not even identifiable ashes dust. It does not exist. It never existed. But it did exist. It does exist. It exists in memory. I remember it. You remember it. I do not remember it, said O'Brien. Winston's heart sank. It was double-think. He had a feeling of deadly helplessness. If he could have been certain that O'Brien was lying, it would not have seemed to matter. But it was perfectly possible that O'Brien had really forgotten the photograph. And if so, then already he would have forgotten his denial of remembering it and forgotten the act of forgetting. How could one be sure that it was a simple trick? Perhaps the lunatic dislocation in the mind could really happen. That it was the thought that defeated him. O'Brien looked down at him speculatively. More than ever, he had the air of a teacher taking pains with a wayward but promising child. There is a party slogan dealing with the control of the past, he said. Repeat it, if you please. Who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past, repeated Winston obediently. Who controls the present controls the past, said O'Brien, nodding his head with slow approval. Is it your opinion, Winston, that the past has real existence? Again, the feeling of helplessness descended upon Winston. His eyes flitted towards the dial. He not only didn't know whether yes or no was the answer that would save him from pain, he didn't even know which answer he believed to be the true one. O'Brien smiled faintly. You are no metaphysician, Winston, he said. Until this moment, you'd never considered what is meant by existence. 
I will put it more precisely. Does the past exist concretely in space? Is there somewhere or another place, a world of solid objects, where the past is still happening? No. Then where does the past exist, if at all? In records. It's written down. In records. And in the mind, in human memories. In memories. Very well, then. We, the party, control all records. And we control all memories. Then we control the past, do we not? But how can you stop people from remembering things? cried Winston again, momentarily forgetting the dial. It's involuntary. It's outside oneself. How, how can you control memory? You've not controlled mine. O'Brien's manner grew stern again. He laid his hand upon the dial. On the contrary, he said, you have not controlled it. This is what has brought you here. And that is where we're going to cut it off for tonight. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God, this is intense. George Orwell's 1984. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. All right. Fantastic. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Thank you so much. Thanks for liking. Be sure you follow the show. It's right here. There's a button that says follow. Just give it a click. It's free for you. Very easy to do. And it helps the show out a lot. It really does. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I will see you all again tomorrow.